0: Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers. It's produced by the American Ag Radio
1: Network. Here's your Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day. Thank you for joining us. In the news, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue assures farmers that President Trump will protect them, and USDA is evidently working on ways to compensate farmers for any losses due to Chinese tariffs. A lot of speculation. Are we talking about subsidies to farmers? How would that work? Evidently, USDA looking at all the possibilities. Interesting. How will it come up with the money for that? Trying to find money to write a farm bill right now, and that's tough. Where will the money come from for something like this? That remains to be seen. The Renewable Fuel Standard takes another hit as a federal bankruptcy court approves the EPA's proposed settlement agreement with Philadelphia energy solutions and U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer talks about the potential of a U.S.-India trade deal. But we start today with details on the new and improved dairy margin protection program. Sign-up starts Monday and joining us now is the President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, Jim Mulhern. Jim, good to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks very much for having me, Mike. It's good to be with you.
1: So the enrollment window starts on Monday, runs to June 1st. Tell us how this margin protection program is different from the previous one.
2: Well, Mike, as you know, these are important improvements that have been made in the margin protection program. Uh, Since the program was first put in place in the 2014 Farm Bill, it uh, frankly has not performed as it was intended to. And that was largely a result of changes that were made during the Farm Bill deliberation process, that uh the changes that cut the the feed adjuster, which is part of that index, because the the margin program is a program that looks at the uh, the income uh, milk income over the cost of feed, and that feed component was cut by uh, the calculation of that was cut by ten percent in the farm bill process. Ten percent may not sound like a lot, but it has the impact of about a dollar per hundred weight on on the feed cost so. The program to date has been understating the true cost of feed for dairy farmers by at least a dollar per hundredweight, and that was one of the things that uh, we, you know, we've been trying to address in this program. The other aspect has been that the, uh, the cost of the, the um, coverage has been too high, and with the changes made by the Congress in the Bipartisan Budget Act, uh, now implemented by USDA with the announcement this week, producers will be able to go back in, to re-sign up for 2018 um, at coverage levels that will be much lower than the previous program. And the net effect of all of that is that uh, given the, the price forecasts for this year, um, that for certainly for small and medium-sized operations, um, the program's going to work much more effectively, and uh, there will be strong incentive for producers to sign up at the $8 coverage level, which is the maximum level available Signing up at that level will, um, will result in, based on current projected prices we expect for this year, will result in net payments um, to producers for the program, which is what's intended to, to do because it is a safety net program after all. And We've had now three years of mediocre to poor prices. We're in the fourth year of that. It's important the program operate as it was intended to, and this year for the first time it will.
1: Yeah, I think we should uh, emphasize that again. The previous margin protection program was not the program that National Milk was wanting and, and tried to get. This more closely uh, resembles what you were trying for then, right?
2: It does more closely resemble. I will say, though, that we're not completely there yet. Um, the other feature, the first issue that I talked about, this the feed cost adjuster, is one that we've been trying to work on and fix. Um, and the... the, the the reality is that fixing that feature of the program does have a, a greater budget impact impact on the federal budget than than there were funds available in this process. So we've been looking at alternative ways to do that. That remains to be the major issue that we need to address in the 2018 Farm Bill. Uh, we're focused on fixing that. There are some different ways you can do it, but our goal here is to make sure the program provides. The kind of uh, safety net support that it was envisioned when it was first uh, proposed and uh, the changes that have been made are going to make it much more effective this year. We still have a ways to go to fix it in the farm bill. Once we get that done, MPP will be the program that it was designed to be a safety net for when times are tough, providing support um, when, when the producers are in that, that price-to-cost squeeze. I will add one other thing, though, Mike. The MPP is largely designed for uh, you know, for small and medium-sized producers. The catastrophic coverage will be available for all producers. Uh, we hope we never get to that catastrophic level. That's the level we were at back in 2009 um, when the, the ashes of which this program emerged out of. And um, we don't want to get to that level, but MPP, catastrophic floor, Available for all producers, but for larger producers, we really need to do more on the the risk management side. That was the other change that was made in the uh, Congressional Budget Act that lifted the cap, um, the, the budget cap on the uh, the livestock gross margin program or LGM dairy. Um, there was a 20 million dollar cap on that program. That's been removed. That means that USDA can provide more LGM coverage as well as, and this is important, they can provide new risk management programs for dairy farmers. Um, USDA has already internally, uh, to my understanding, approved a, a proposed revenue protection plan that um, we're told will be um, available beginning this summer. Um, so we've tried to address both MPP and the broader risk management tools, um, and, and hopefully between these two approaches we'll have the effective safety that we've been looking for in dairy for some time.
1: USDA announced that dairy producers can participate in either MPP or the Livestock Gross Margin Program, but not both, and they also said that dairy producers must select new coverage for 2018, even if they enrolled during the previous sign-up period last fall. So, a lot of important information there, and you have uh, information on a website, right, that they can go to for help?
2: We do have information. We have our, our tool um, to uh, help producers make this calculation. It is at the, uh, our Future for Dairy website. Um, the best way to get to that is to go to the National Milk um, homepage, which is www.nmpf.org, and uh, click on the Future for Dairy link. That will take you to a calculator which will um, help you plug in your production and do calculations on um, the right level uh, for for coverage for you for 2018. One of the points I want to emphasize Mike is that you know we saw most producers who signed up for this year when they made their selection late last year most dairy farmers across the country only signed up at that catastrophic coverage level the essentially the four dollar floor on the margin and uh, and that was the right decision given the, the cost, the buy-up coverage, and um, but the, with these changes that have been made, that's why producers need to go back, take a look at their calculation because given the milk prices this year, for many producers, the you know the smart decision to 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 make will be to sign up for the eight dollar coverage, pay the premium for the January through December period. Um, and that you have options, flexibility on, on that on payment schedule. But signing up for that will, will cover you for the year. And right now what it looks like based on the futures markets is that we'll be below the $8 margin level. Um, we were below it in February for the first time. USDA just announced that last week. Uh, we expect to be below that probably through Ju- July. And that means it's a good time to sign up for the program
1: this year. Jim Mulhern, President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. Jim, good to talk with you again. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks very much, Mike. Appreciate it.
1: Take care. Coming up next, the CEO of the American Soybean Association will join us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
3: in my home state of Minnesota, the 10 year warranty. And you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four My Pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four My Pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order My Pillow at 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four My Pillows for the price of one. Call 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout, use promo code FARM11. All right, guys. We're ready for our four season sunroom. In-
1: I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Devorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, the
4: hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland, forty-nine. Oregon DM 31
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Welcome back. I mentioned earlier that Secretary Perdue is doing his best to reassure farmers that President Trump is going to protect them, take care of them, especially with all this going on with China. I think we could uh, I've got a new name for the secretary. It's Comforter in Chief. (laughs) His job more and more seems just to be calm everybody down in agriculture, that it's going to be okay. That's a that's a big task. Uh, given what's going on right now with all the talk of tariffs and retaliation between the U.S. and China. I think everyone's trying to catch their breath now. We're hearing about, hey, this may just kind of start a, a negotiating period that hopefully will uh, take care of these issues before it gets to the drastic measures of tariffs and retaliation. But we don't know, quite frankly. Once you start down this slippery slope, you just don't know how it's going to go, and agriculture – could be in line to pay the price to try to fix other areas of of trade problems between the U.S. and China that need to be addressed, but at what cost to agriculture? We mentioned earlier that USDA supposedly is looking at some kind of compensation plans perhaps some kind of subsidies to farmers if there are losses uh, due to Chinese tariffs, so we'll be watching that story as it develops moving forward. Soybeans, of course, have been rumored, uh, many people thought as soon as talk of tariffs came up soybeans immediately jumped to people's minds uh wasn't on the first list but now is now showing up and uh, a lot of concerns what that could mean because there's such a huge market for u.s soybeans joining us now is the new ceo of the american soybean association ryan finley ryan thank you for joining us and uh wow you uh, you come into the your new position and plenty of plenty to work on plenty of challenges welcome to the job
7: right yeah thanks good morning i um, glad to be on and, and happy to visit with you and and it has been an exciting first two months between uh, tariffs and working on all the international issues that we have along with the RFS and the farm bill infrastructure the, the issues certainly don't stop but that's our focus as an association and I'm happy to be engaged in them.
1: okay what is your reaction to what we know so far about tariffs on u.s soybeans or the potential of tariffs on u.s soybeans Mm
7: -hmm. yeah i think you really laid it out nicely a couple of minutes ago here and explaining the situation it's tough i mean every farmer that's listening completely understands that this is out of their control and they do everything they can to manage their cost and to to find the right prices when they're selling their product and they have invested farmers have invested millions of dollars over the last several decades finding export markets. China was one of those. It, it's grown exponentially. It's been really helpful. It's been great for, for U.S. agriculture, for soybeans specifically. And to be honest, this hurts a little bit for for farmers to be in this position, to see everything happening out of their control. That's tough. That's It's just tough.
1: Do we know the details of this yet, what this could uh look like. I mean we're talking but we're here, you know, we see soybeans on a list and it looks like the Chinese may there may be China retaliation, but we don't know for sure or how this would work. What do we know at this point?
7: Right. So let's let's take a look from from that thirty thousand foot view and just say what is the scenario and that is the United States has a section three oh one, that's the the international code that we have um looked at that we have said we believe china is is not adhering to intellectual property rights and because they have violated that we are going to retaliate and so the u.s has initiated this retaliation process they have 1300 lines 1300 lines uh, of tariff schedule so think of that as items different products that we have said we're going to implement a tariff on and that will um... be the equivalent of up to 50 billion in goods that are imported from um... uh by China. So we're going to be taking a look at those or that we import from China. So we're going to be looking at that and, and is a way to uh, impact China. China. And at the same time, China has said, well, we're going to retaliate against your tariffs. And our retaliation is going to be a number of products, 106 products. And we are going to look at soybeans as one of those products. And specifically, it's going to be a 25 percent tariff on the, the soybeans that the U.S. exports to China. So that's a, it's a long explanation, but know that this is Section 301, which is separate from the steel and aluminum tariffs that we just talked about a couple of weeks ago. So there's two different things going on. This Section 301 is specific to China. The U.S. hit, and, and China has hit back. And at this point, um, agriculture has been collateral damage. But, and this is a huge but, and everybody's paying attention to the, both China and the U.S., have had this little phrase in their press releases and that has said we want to continue negotiations and and that's what everybody's hoping is that they're going to be able to negotiate this and and agriculture will not be negatively impacted
1: we're talking with Ryan Finley CEO of the American Soybean Association Ryan this kind of fits the um, the style of negotiating we've seen from this White House, this administration since it's come into uh, uh, into power here. Kind of talk uh, very strongly publicly with uh, strong threats or uh, possibility of strong actions and then supposedly that then opens the way for negotiations to get something done to keep those uh, most drastic of things we've heard about from happening. Is that way you see we're kind of entering into that period now now we talk about uh, ways to keep from happening what we're afraid will happen
7: yeah I think that's part of it It, it, it this is definitely a tactic by this administration I think that we have shared several times with them with with various players that we would love for other approaches to be utilized I think there's a lot of other options that the, the federal government has and that the administration had that they could um, work with China at instead of going this approach. But this is the approach they selected. And all along, soybeans has said, we want to be a part of the solution. So if this is the approach, we shouldn't be talking about punching each other in the face. We should be talking about how do we grow trade between these two countries. And if part of this challenge is the trade deficit that the U.S. has with China, well, let soybeans be a part of that. I mean, China. Right now, our, our export market by value to China is 14 billion. There is a huge potential over the next 10 years to grow that by several billion. So if we could be 16, 18, 20 billion in in trade of soybeans to China, that's that is a big chunk of money that we can start putting towards shrinking this national uh, this or the, not national the the, uh, the trade imbalance that we have with China. And I think that's one—that's just one talking point. But it's really our our approach has been: let's work together to be a solution instead of being being negative and, and going after each other with tariffs. I think there's some other options here. That's what we've encouraged. And so even at this point, as negotiations continue, we want to say, hey, we're happy to sit down with the president. We've we've sent him a letter. We've let people in the administration know we're happy to sit down, and we've let members uh, of Congress on the Hill know that. We don't, we don't enjoy having um, our, our products targeted. We would love for our product to be part of the solution.
1: What do you make of these stories that USDA is looking at uh, coming up with ways to compensate farmers for any losses due to uh, Chinese tariffs?
7: That's, that, that's not what U.S. agriculture uh, wants right now. I think our focus needs to be, as it has been for decades, looking at, at using the market, the free market, to establish trade relationships with friends all over the world that would allow us to expand exports. So we need to be looking at, at finishing up NAFTA. We need to be looking at the Asia-Pacific, whether that is a, an iteration of the Trans-Pacific Partnership or, uh, or working on bilaterals with Asia-Pacific countries, um, making sure that our relationship with China is steady And and there's a whole host of other areas. That's what we should be working on right now and and letting the marketplace operate instead of having some of the other conversations. And so um, I think, you know, those conversations, if they're going to happen, they're going to happen, and and that's fine. But our our priority and our focus is to really make sure that the marketplace is working, and, and we think it can. And we think that can be beneficial for farmers all over the U.S.
1: Because seemingly we were moving away from tariffs, we were moving away from subsidies, and we were trying to get away from all that, and now here we are talking about those things all over again.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that for us it's, it's really just continuing to meet and say, hey, let's be part of the solution. Let's not, let's not forget about the importance of trade. Let's not forget about how that can be beneficial on a whole bunch of levels certainly for agriculture there's an economic benefit and and we have an amazing product with with our soybeans that we're producing here and I know that there's there are people around the world that are hungry for that as a feed ingredient as a food ingredient and let's let's supply that and I I know I've said it before but this is this is really important farmers through through the checkoff program through international marketing with the American soybean Association with that family of of soybean organizations Farmers over the last 30, 40, 50 years have really dedicated a lot of time, millions of dollars to expand export markets, and it's something they continue to do. And that's, I think that it's, it's a tribute to farmers in their foresight 40 years ago when we can now look at China and say, holy mackerel, we're exporting $14 billion worth of product there, as well as a number of other countries. Mexico is, is in the top three for us. Mm-hmm. We have friends all over the place, and that's important.
1: Ryan, good to talk with you. We'll be back in touch soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. New CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
4: The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us Always read and follow label instructions.
0: Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halbertson from the American Ag Network. Grain and soybean futures rebounding after that sell-off in the wake of China's announcement that it may seek tariffs on several U.S. crops. The lack of a clear timeline and the suggestion that this could help bring Washington and Beijing to the negotiating table, helping ease some of the concerns about the ongoing trade dispute. An hour into the trading day, soybean futures trending 2 to 6 cents higher, 4 to 5 better in corn, dime higher in the hard wheats of Kansas City and Minneapolis, 8 to 9 higher in Chicago wheat. May corn plummeted to a low at 3.72 on Wednesday before trimming losses. We see major resistance on May corn at 3.92 and a half. Bigger picture, the larger multi-month trend off the January low of 3.53 and three quarters remains bullish for corn. May soybeans collapsed below swing support at 10.09 and a quarter yesterday. The low from May or make that March 23rd. We saw a massive selling spree yesterday before recovering. Buyers emerging to support May soybeans at Wednesday's low at 9.83 and a quarter. We're currently operating below the 10 day moving average of 10.28 and a quarter. Livestock futures shrugging off tariff concerns to trend higher on Wednesday. Positive tone continues on this Thursday. We are fifty to a dollar ten higher in live cattle, dollar ten to a dollar seventy-five higher in feeder cattle, a nickel to ninety-five cents higher in lean hog futures. With the cash being called steady lower on this Thursday. Outside markets on a Thursday, the Dow is up nearly two hundred points, Nasdaq up forty-two, SP and P up thirteen. Crude oil in New York, up 39 cents a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network.
2: We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago.
0: information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams
1: welcome back well we're talking with lots of people in agriculture getting reactions about the the u.s china trade tensions and the concerns that are being raised we just heard from ryan finley the ceo of the american soybean association want to talk now with um, Iowa Senator Charles Grassley to get his views on this. Senator, thanks as always for joining us here on Adams and Agriculture.
8: Thank you for having me, Mike. I appreciate very much uh, the important issues you bring up for uh, agriculture, not only because Iowa is a big agricultural state and I have a, a privilege of representing Iowa agriculture, but also because I'm an Iowa farmer, and so I really appreciate personally the attention you give to agriculture.
1: So how do how do you react and respond to what you're seeing from uh, the Trump administration when it comes to tariffs on China and the retaliation that we're hearing uh, from the Chinese? Yeah.
8: Before I answer that question, could I reflect on uh, sure. something that happened last week when I was in China with four other members of the Senate uh, to talk trade issues with uh, provincial and national Chinese leaders and to visit with American business people doing business over there. I came back from that meeting with an understanding that the Chinese have a uh, real determination to do anything that they can uh, ethically or unethically, legally or illegally, even in violation of free trade uh, rules, uh, to uh, do everything they can to get ahead of the United States uh, economically, uh, steal our intellectual property, put pressure on American businessmen there doing business to share trade secrets. So uh, I look at, uh, at this as uh, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee protecting uh, intellectual property and also uh, as a member of the Senate Finance Committee with jurisdiction over trade that we have a big, big uh, battle ahead of us uh, in order to keep uh, America out in front. Now, to answer your question, uh, I heard Secretary Perdue this morning uh, say that he talked to the president about uh, China's reaction to this, and he's going to make sure that uh, his trade policies and his uh, actions uh, aren't going to be bore on the back of American farmers. I don't know what that means, but it does mean that the president at least understands what I told him in February in his office uh, that uh, that uh, you know you can try these things. Maybe they're the right thing to do. Maybe you'll be successful. But if you aren't successful, remember American farmers are the first to uh, pay for it. So now, if the president is saying he's going to protect American farmers, he's uh, going to do it. Now on grain. Uh, don't forget the farm bill it has a built-in protection for farmers because as prices go down, there's going to be a bigger subsidy from the federal treasury. Whether prices go down because of an embargo uh, uh, by uh, China or whether it's because we have big, uh, uh, big crops and prices go down because of supply. So uh, I, I just think that as a farmer and as a member of the Senate. Uh, protecting American agriculture, we got a work cut out for us.
1: right. and well, you mentioned the farm bill and the protections in there, but of course the direction agriculture wants to move in is to get income from the marketplace and, and not from from government programs. So it seems like we we're running the risk of going back to the old ways rather than keep moving with the uh, the direction of opening up markets.
8: yeah well, the, the balancing act here is uh, will the president be successful in dealing with China like he did with Korea uh, on the steel imports from Korea the twenty five percent tariff uh, set uh, did get South Korea's attention and they agreed if the tariff would not be applied to Korean steel they would let more uh, more uh uh, cars into South Korea from the United States. Uh, there's some uh, proof that the president's negotiation is working there. Or in the case of not having the steel tariffs apply to Canada and Mexico, uh, we're making considerable progress on the renegotiation of NAFTA. Now, will it work with China? I think China's a whole different ball game uh when it comes to their determination to be number one in the world uh and uh and maybe they'll blink they did tell us when we were over there on our mission last week that they want dialogue with america Uh, they've had dialogue with us for a long period of time i told one of our meetings we were in five different cities so i don't know what city this is that i talked to the uh chinese leaders But I said, you know, we've talked and talked and talked. I said, you know what needs to be done. Just do it. Uh, I didn't get any reaction from that, but that's the way I feel about it when they say, now that the president's getting tough, let's have more dialogue. Well, I'm okay to have more dialogue. Maybe we got him over a barrel. I don't know. It's a chess game.
1: Yeah. This is the way that this administration approaches these issues, as we've seen uh, with other uh, trade negotiations. So we'll see if it works. Uh, Certainly a lot at stake, a lot on the table, and a lot of nervousness till we find out how it's going to work and how China actually responds, whether this is the way to get uh, these other issues addressed that need to be addressed. Now, we're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Let's switch to another topic, and I know you're very – uh, passionate about renewable fuels, and now what we're seeing is an EPA that seems to be undermining the RFS by granting these waivers, letting people out of their obligations, letting these refineries out of their obligations, uh, really weakening it seems the RFS. What's your response to this, and what can be done?
8: The EPA director is acting against the law, and if he's not acting against the letter of the law, He's acting against the spirit of the law, because when you give waivers to Endeavor, as he did, and they have a billion and a half profit, uh, they are not a hardship case under the law. And not only that, but it isn't transparent, so we don't know the rationale behind it. Uh, It could be a political favor, or it could be a legitimate thing. What are they trying to hide but not letting us have the information uh, on why the waivers were offered. And, and it seems to be a large number of waivers now compared to in the past. I can understand an exception here or there to any law. But when you do it to 25 right now and who knows how many more and you give it to a corporation that has a billion and a half profits, that doesn't sound like a hardship case. It sounds to me like the president or that uh, Pruitt is uh, is not using good judgment on enforcing the law. And uh, and uh, and it raises all kinds of questions that we got to get to the bottom to. And I'm going to be sending a letter to him and I expect those answers. And I think he's even acting contrary to the impressions that he gave uh, to a group of seven or eight. Republican Senators in my office way back in January 2017 when he said that he got the message from the President that he had to be for pro-ethanol. And this is really hurting the ethanol industry, and we got to put a stop to it.
1: Do you feel he's doing this on his own, or is he getting direction from the White House?
8: I think he's doing it on his own.
1: How do you stop him?
8: Um, well, uh, it may be if he's uh, uh two ways one I- interest that would be outside of the congress cuz we wouldn't have standing in the courts uh sue him over the abuse of this power or uh, uh acting in an illegal action uh we could uh, put writers on appropriation bills that say uh how you how you how the EPA can interpret uh the, the law and and how much and more conditions on the waivers uh we can hold a hearing that maybe would bring out that he's acting in a unconstitutional not unconstitutional but illegal way uh, and then uh, let's uh let's uh, maybe i'll have a better answer for you when i get an answer to the letters that i'm sending him raising cane about uh how he's doing it and whether he's doing it legally
1: yeah, the question had been whether or not they were going to change the RFS. Now they're just kind of seemingly going backdoor and undermining it, weakening it by granting these waivers.
8: Uh, if, that, if that's a scheme, uh, that's, that might be good news from this standpoint, that maybe they've given up on putting a, a cap on RINs, uh, as was suggested by Senator Cruz of Texas, uh, that we, uh, Joni Ernst and I fought so hard against. Uh, and uh, maybe we don't know that we won that battle, but this may be an indication that they're going around us in another way. It, it, I don't think it would have what's, what I've seen so far, even though it's illegal, even though there's 25 of them, even though it's granted to one in, uh, a corporation that had a $1.5 billion profit, uh, it probably isn't quite as disastrous as if they, the White House would go ahead and put a cap on Rands.
1: Senator, we're out of time. Thank you very much. We appreciate uh, hearing uh, from you on these issues, and uh, glad you had a safe trip to China. Thanks for your insights into these uh, uh, negotiations that are going on with the U.S. and China right now. We appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Okay, goodbye. Take care. Iowa Senator charles grassley just back from a trip to uh, to china uh, on this topic with the epa and the rfs the renewable fuels association has submitted freedom of information requests to both the us epa and department of energy in pursuit of more information and transparency regarding the uh, recent issuance of renewable fuel standard compliance exemptions to dozens of oil refineries so steps are being taken to try to address this issue it's a very serious one, very important one for the renewable fuels industry, and we'll keep you up to date on it. Back on the topic of trade, we're going to get uh, kind of some thoughts over on what's going on here, some overview from Dave Salmonson. He is the uh, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. His take on these trade issues with China, that's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
5: Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now. And drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today.
6: 6137.
3: Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. And you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four My Pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four My Pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order My Pillow at 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four My Pillows for the price of one. Call 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout, use promo code FARM11.
4: The Mighty Prosaro king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Welcome back. Well, you can tell Senator Grassley feels very strongly about uh, this RFS situation and how EPA is handing out these waivers. And as he said, EPA Administrator Pruitt is acting against the law granting uh, these waivers. So we'll be watching that story very closely. And of course, the other big story is the U.S.-China trade situation that we've been talking about. Joining us now is Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us. So is this this, uh, just the way this administration approaches trade? I mean, uh, they come out very strong, uh, kind of threatening and taking strong action or threatening strong action, and then supposedly that uh, gets the other side uh, more willing to come to the table and address issues that need to be concerned, and uh, we're supposed to you know, just be patient and feel that it's all going to turn out okay in the end. Is that kind of the scenario that this administration uh, paints for us on these issues?
9: Well, I think that's uh, the way we would hope that it would work out, that there's a lot of talk, a lot of stuff to get both sides to the table, and then things work out. In the China situation, you know, we've got two different things going on here. We had the steel tariffs, steel and aluminum tariffs that went into effect about uh, two weeks ago that affect China and some other countries. Uh, those are in effect. And uh, China, as we saw, um, I think on Monday, responded with their retaliation list, and that includes uh, new 25 percent tariffs on pork products and 15 percent tariffs on uh nuts, fruits, wine, uh, things like that. So that's that set of things that actually is happening. And there was a lot of talk before that, but the tariffs have gone into effect. And then, of course, now we've got this other situation on the uh, $50 billion of uh, proposed U.S. tariffs, $50 billion from a whole range of products imported from China. And China's put out a proposed retaliation list that they would do the same thing, $50 billion or so worth of U.S. exports to China with a 25% tariff, and that includes all kinds of products, but a lot of agricultural products, soybeans, beef, corn, wheat, cotton, et cetera, and a lot of other products, aerospace products and you know, airplanes, cars, all kinds of things. So uh, you know, does this help get, get the two countries to the negotiating table? We hope so. But that's what has to play out, and in the case of this most recent tariff proposal, counter-proposal, it's going to be over the next several months.
1: Yeah, so the positive spin on this is that now they're going to really do a lot of tough negotiating on these issues, get some resolutions, and it won't come to worst-case scenario. Uh, the reality is <laughs> there's already a reaction to what's going on. Markets don't like nervousness, and uh, you know there's a lot of uneasiness right now, so uh, you you There's the hope of what's going to happen, and then there's the reality of what is happening.
9: Yeah, that's true. You see this process on what we're going through now with these proposals. There's going to be comments until the middle of May. There has to be a public hearing, reaction to that. So pretty much the earliest you could have definitive action of putting on tariffs for the U.S. and triggering some kind of Chinese reaction could be maybe sometime in June, or you could take this process out several months after that. So there's a time frame here we could see the parties actually having some substantive discussions, trying to work at the underlying issue, which sparked all this, which is Chinese treatment of U.S. intellectual property, licensing, copyrights, technology transfer, that companies have objected to for a long time. Just like in the previous set of tariffs that went into effect uh, recently, it's about Chinese overproduction of steel. So these are real issues. These are things that need to be talked about and try to be, uh, be worked on. But we silly really don't think, uh, you know, imposing tariffs and getting retaliation is the way to go, especially not for U.S. agriculture.
1: Talking with Dave Salminson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, Dave. So now we hear about USDA working on some kind of compensation plan if farmers, uh, you know, are losing market share, losing money because of Chinese tariffs. And is that some kind of a subsidy plan? Is this just part of what? is already in the farm bill, or what they're working on in the farm bill, or do you see this as something separate? What, what do you make of this?
9: I think it probably covers a couple different areas. You can think of the wide variety of different products here. And say all this happens uh, with these potentials, and there's there, and you have to judge the market impact. I mean, USDA has to look, well, there's products that are covered in the farm bills. You know, you've got your soybeans and corn and such, and wheat. Okay, maybe you could do something Within the context of the farm bill that's out there now, that uh, we hope gets acted on this year, but then you've got issues around pork or beef, you know, animal products that have different approaches. Um, can you do that there? Do you have to do it? Are oh, there some kind of a more emergency kind of payments? Uh, where does that come from? And then, of course, if you're talking, um, you know, tree fruit, tree nuts, and fruits and stuff like that, which are so you've got to kind of treat the products differently because they have different approaches from usda and different types of coverages in the farm bill um so it's uh it's something that i think usda is looking at Um, they probably have been for a while and they'll continue to look at but i think it's going to be depending on your commodity what kind of approach if it all comes to this and we all hope it doesn't come to this but if it all comes to this how they'll deal with different commodities different different farmers
1: it gets complicated as you say and then Basically, you have to prepare for worst-case scenarios, again, hoping they don't happen, but you have to prepare for them in case.
9: Yeah, and, you know, the thing to watch most closely and whenever we've had these kinds of tariff and retaliation issues, as we've had in the past, remember we had uh, when the Obama administration put the uh, restrictions on the import of Chinese tires several years ago? Well, China quit buying poultry for a while. And then we had the issue with Mexico with trucking, and they had a whole list of uh, US Ag products and other products, they put higher tariffs on until that got resolved. You always have to look at the duration, and that's what I always hone in on. Look at duration. We haven't really seen how long, like with these steel tariffs, how long they're going to go for and the retaliation on that. And, of course, we don't know with these proposals how long this this proposed set of tariffs on both sides, how long that might go. You know, short-term, long-term, what kind of market adjustments on the other end, And, you know, you may, uh, you know, a higher price product, 25 percent tariff will certainly cause uh, buyers in China to the extent they can uh, look for alternatives, look for other uh, places to buy for a while. But you also get concerned about the long term impacts of will they really develop other sources of supply to carry them through. And so that's uh, that's what you're in when you're dealing with retaliation
8: situations.
1: Yeah, other issues at play, but it seems like agriculture uh, winds up being the uh, target for, uh, you know, gets used to try to address these other issues. Dave, thanks for the update and for the overview. We appreciate it.
9: All right. Happy to be with you.
1: Take care. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, join us again tomorrow. We'll have the very latest on these issues and more right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.